Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. But you also had people that were very fine people. Very fine people on both sides. And the, and the aliens would mind meld and give them the technology. They're bad aliens. So the, uh, Are you surprised the Nazis were influenced by demons? No, if demons are real, I would definitely think they'd be on the side of the Nazis. Yeah. McDonald's is connected to the Clintons. They chop up the bodies and put them into the sausage and hamburgers. People are being cannibalized. Look it up. And I'm watching CNN talk about this as violent white nationalist protests. We have done everything in our power to keep this peaceful, you know? It's uh, Pepe's become kind of a symbol. Good afternoon. You're listening to Yeah Na Pasaran, a show about fascism and its gravediggers. I'm Cam Smith, and this week I am joined by Byron Clark. Byron is a New Zealand-based watcher of conspiracies in the far right whose video essays you can find on YouTube. Thanks for joining us, Byron. Thanks for having me. Well, has there been anything going on with conspiracies in New Zealand of late? I shouldn't think so, right? Uh, there's been a there's been a fair bit. There's uh, quite an active anti-vaccine movement who seem to have a bit of money behind them, not entirely sure where it's coming from, uh, but they've just been banned from Facebook in, in the last week, but just as of today have shown that they've paid for billboard advertising around the country. So there's still a, uh, a group that has some cause for concern. And then, of course, there's there's various other conspiracies on the far right that still have a presence here. You still see a little bit of the Great Replacement Theory being promoted theories around critical race theory and uh, so-called gender ideology in schools and that that sort of thing. Um, most of these are pretty fringe, but um, it's all it's all there. Um, if you see anything else, any conspiracy theory you see in the English-speaking world, definitely seems to make its way here with varying degrees of success. I guess in Australia, something that we're seeing is this existing anti-vax apparatus that has been around for quite a while and has you know focused on things like autism and the like mm. is now being re-energized or is being incorporated into this covid narrative are you is that what you're seeing in new zealand as well i suppose so i mean anti anti-vaccine sentiments always always been around at least at least as as long as i've been following things i i'd initially thought at the start of the pandemic that we'd see a reduction in anti-vaccine conspiracy theories. because so I naively believed that the reason we had anti-vaxxers was that we'd eradicated things like smallpox and, and polio with vaccines. And because these people had never, never been alive to see uh, the results of deadly diseases with, that, without vaccines, that if we ever had a pandemic and they saw the results of that, they would change their views. And, and I suspect a few people have, but it seems that despite the fact we're in a global pandemic, the anti-vaccine movement has actually grown and is bigger than it was a few years ago. I guess in a way we've been spared, still been spared like the impact of COVID because of the policies that our respective governments have taken. Mm. Although I, I did see one sort of prominent anti-lockdown person here saying just a few days ago that no, like 
nobody witnessed the pandemic anywhere. Like they seem to be completely divorced from the reality of what people in America and Italy and, and the UK experienced as well. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the point. I, I guess pe- people here are somewhat sheltered from the pandemic. I mean, you have to, if, if, if you're going to say that there's no pandemic or it's all a hoax, you have to believe in a really enormous conspiracy because you have to believe that all global media and the World Health Organization and everyone is all in on it and they're, and they're faking all this this whole thing. But for people here, they, they probably haven't known any, most people wouldn't have known anyone personally who who is got COVID-19 or, or if they do that they might not have had significant symptoms I think in New Zealand we've had I think a total of 24 deaths from COVID-19 so mm-hmm. a lot of people here wouldn't have wouldn't have really had a personal experience of it and if they are very selective as to what media they consume I guess they could convince themselves that it's all a hoax and it's not real and and so forth. Now what sort of people are joining the New Zealand anti-lockdowns movements? I did notice one face that I remember from back in the day, uh, Kyle Chapman from the New Zealand National Front. Kyle Chapman's been pretty visible in some of these some of these uh, protests and things. He's moved on a bit from the the National Front in the sense that he's not cosplaying as a soldier and doing doing Nazi salutes and that sort of thing, and he's grown his hair back along with a beard. But he, he turns up at these rallies in Christchurch, where he's still based as part of a group calling themselves the Christchurch Patriots, who have uh, had speeches in the square about things including the Great Replacement Theory and other conspiracy theories around lockdowns and vaccines and uh, the infiltration of the government by the Chinese Communist Party and, and so on and so forth. And there's a pretty heavy overlap between the people in the Christchurch Patriots and the people in the sort of anti-vaccine, anti-lockdown movement. Chapman's been going along supporting Voices for Freedom, which is the big anti-vaccine group, although I think they've made some efforts to distance themselves from him because of his uh, extensive past as a as a white supremacist neo-Nazi, which is not really the image that they want to have. No. Is there a, a, a big push to distance themselves from him? Because it seems like he has got you know, a lot of form. I would have thought that anyone who's talking about the great replacement in the Christchurch town square particularly might be considered uh, somewhat poisonous. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty weak that that push to distance themselves, and it's really only came after people have pointed out when uh, when they share something from Kyle Chapman or pe- and people post a photo of him doing a Nazi salute with a, a number of people with swastika tattoos and things, and and it's really only been since then that uh, the anti-vaccine movement has been a bit more careful as to whose posts and whose photos they're sharing on on social media. Can you tell us a bit about who Billy TK is? Yeah, so Billy TK or uh, Billy Tikahika is uh, a couple of years ago. He was a blues musician. I suspect he still is. He also had a, a small Christian ministry, and he became something of a prominent influencer during the the brief lockdown that we had in twenty twenty, promoting various right wing conspiracy theories, most of which seem to originate in old John Birch Society ideas. You know, things about fluoride and uh, new world order and the United Nations also bringing in a whole lot of anti-vaccine stuff. And he, he built up a pretty significant following on Facebook. And with that following, then decided to form a political party, which initially was called the New Zealand Public Party. And it was it was too late at this point to get the party registered to be on the ballot for the, for the election. So he joined forces with a former National Party MP. That's the, that's the main opposition party here. Uh, Jamie Lee Ross, who had left the party over 
over some scandal or another and contested the election as the Advanced New Zealand Party, getting about 1% of the vote, which percentage-wise isn't much, but I think they got got a good 20,000 votes on this platform of you know, anti-vaccine ideas and opposition to UN Agenda 2021 and Agenda 2030 and a number of other conspiratorial views, as well as Facebook. He promoted himself by going on the uh, the Vinnie Eastwood show, which was a conspiracy theory show that until recently you could watch daily on YouTube. They've recently been deplatformed from YouTube, um, but it still streams on Twitch. And it's also on a, uh, an American radio network called American Freedom Radio. Sounds quite legit. Um, you've mentioned that a few of these people have been deplatformed, but uh, I mean, were these timely deplatformings? Would you have said <laughs> they often they often really came too late? So, Advanced New Zealand, when when they brand all branded as that on on Facebook, the the page amassed about thirty thousand followers. So, I guess. There were a few people following who weren't weren't voting for them, and they were only deplatformed from Facebook a few days out from the election, and to some extent were able to then use that deplatforming to claim that Facebook was interfering in the political process and that they've been censored and so on. And and while they while they deplatformed the Advanced New Zealand page, Billy Tikahika was still there and could still speak to his audience. He still had a platform on YouTube at that point with the Vinnie Eastwood show. The the deplatforming of the Vinnie Eastwood show and of a couple of other YouTube channels only came after a big uh, anti-terrorism conference that was held here in Christchurch a couple of months back now when there was a bit more pressure put on YouTube as well as Twitter to do something about some of this content on their platform. And so that, that at that same time, uh, YouTube removed the channel of Action Zealandia, who are a openly fascist and openly white supremacist group that was still sharing their podcast on YouTube every every um, month or so where they would openly engage in anti-Semitism and Holocaust denial and, uh, and outright racism. And it really took uh, representatives of Google being directly confronted at a anti-terrorism conference with survivors of the Christchurch shooting and, and so forth before any action was taken on on that. And so while the Vinnie Eastwood show wasn't uh, as outrightly hateful, it was spreading a lot of misinformation and it got swept up in that deplatforming of channels that happened after that. Another person who's been deplatformed, I'd say probably a de-pla- the biggest deplatforming success story uh, is your friend Lee Williams. Mm. Could you tell us about him and uh, what's happened to him? In some sense, he's been deplatformed, although he does actually still have a channel on YouTube. But Lee's someone I've been following following for quite a while. He was visited by police a couple of times after the Christchurch shooting, uh, one time with the armed police blocking off the street. And I can't say for certain the exact reason that he became a person of interest. There were about 100 people that police followed up with after the shooting, both people on the far right and also a, a smaller number of Muslims who they believed might be potentially radicalised and um, be willing to do some kind of retaliatory actions but most of the people they followed up with seemed to be people on the far right and lee williams was likely one of them because the content on his youtube channel was very similar to what was in the shooter's manifesto he spoke about there being a a plan by the united nations which he described as being run by an unholy alliance of political islam and cultural marxism uh, planning to emasculate white men so that Muslim men from the third world could take over Western nations. And he'd spoken 
spoken at a rally against the UN Migration Compact um, in Cathedral Square alongside Phil Arps, who's another far-right activist here who had been arrested around that same time, police were visiting Lee for sharing the, the live, stream shooting of, uh, live stream of the Christchurch shooting and added, asking, asking a friend to add a kill count to it and make it look more like a video game. So police became interested in Lee and he made a video, not of the police visiting him, but shortly after they left, just describing what had happened. And that video went viral after being shared by Alex Jones and various other people in that conspiracy theory, far-right sort of social media space. And amassed about 70,000 views. And from that, he was able to grow his audience and continue promoting this sort of content on YouTube for quite some time. He really started to get pushback when he expanded out from his usual racism against Muslims to expressing racism against Maori, uh, particularly the two Maori Party MPs, um, including um, Rauri Waititi, who he would make videos uh, imitating with a uh, very poor imitation of a Maori accent. Uh, one person described it as a like a South African Scooby-Doo, uh, which is not very accurate, but that's that's um, that's what he was doing, and that prompted a couple of Maori women to start a petition to his employer, saying reconsider having an employment relationship with someone who is a white supremacist, a social media influencer, and so his employer had an investigation. And going through his YouTube channel and also his uh, BitChute channel, where he'd posted videos during his, his brief bans from YouTube, because while, while he'd never been deplatformed completely, he would get the occasional two-week ban where he couldn't post anything and couldn't seem to go two weeks without having a rant into his phone. So he had a platform on uh, BitChute as well. And his employer went through and found some of these videos he'd actually filmed while he was at the workplace. If you didn't know where he worked, you might not recognize it as the workplace, but the, the people there obviously obviously did. So he ended up losing his job. He also um, had his wife leave him at that point, and then he set up a new, uh, a new bank account for his followers to donate money into because he'd lost his job. And also when an associate of his, so I could also talk about, set up a... Uh, fundraiser forum on GoFundMe, which was then removed, not because of his awful political racist views, but just because uh, GoFundMe doesn't accept uh, fundraisers from New Zealand because they don't work in New Zealand dollars at all. So that was removed, and then another one on a local crowdfunding platform, Give a Little, was removed. So he just posted up the bank account number for his new bank account, and then the donations going into there. I think must have triggered something, probably some anti-money laundering thing that was there. And so the bank then removed his bank account. So he lost, in the space of a couple of weeks, he lost his, his job, his home, his wife, his bank account. And then another petition was also started to strip him of his citizenship because he's a, a dual UK, New Zealand citizen. And then his channel did briefly get removed as one of those ones after that anti-terrorism hooey, although he appealed it and managed to get it reinstated, though he's deleted the vast majority of his videos. He did have about 400. He's got much less than that now because he avoids uh, anything that could get him banned and just posts videos di directing people to see the more, more outrageous videos on his Telegram channel. But he's recently gone back to the UK and... Speaking at a, an anti-lockdown rally there, uh, told the crowd that he wouldn't be returning to New Zealand. So all of us here are very pleased about that. You've de-platformed de him from New Zealand. 
Yeah, he platformed them from New Zealand. That's a good effort. You're listening to 3CR, 8.55am, 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital on your DAB radio. We're currently talking to Byron Clark about the far right and conspiracy theorists in New Zealand. I was curious, you've mentioned that he was going in on uh, Maori a bit. It seems like anti-Indigenous sentiment informs a bit more conspiracy thinking in New Zealand than it does, for example, in Australia. Yeah, quite quite possibly. I mean, one thing that's really invigorated a lot of the right here is the uh, Hipuapua document, which was uh, it's not the not a government policy or the policy of any party, but it was the discussion document produced for how to implement the United Nations declarations on the rights of Indigenous people that New Zealand has become a signatory to, and. That's became a big talking point for a lot of the right because it really ties in with a lot of their conspiratorial views because it's something that comes from a United Nations policy and they often see the United Nations as a some sort of world government lefty communist organization and it also uh, talks about you know co governorship and and that sort of thing and things that they could see as a a, a threat to you know, the the hegemony of, of white white people in this country and 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 the political system that is a legacy of, of colonization. And some of some of those concerns are not necessarily valid, but but if you have a stake in the system that we have now, which is a legacy of colonization and which still privileges white people and you see that in the in the outcomes of every kind of social statistic around poverty or education or life expectancy and, and so on. If you have a stake in being in that powerful group, then maybe implementing the Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People is something that you would see as a threat in the way that equality looks like a threat to people who are accustomed to experiencing privilege. There's this sort of... Uh culture war going on around the idea of critical race theory, especially in the United States, but it's something that we're seeing sort of get exported around the world. I know we've got in Australia, even like I've seen throughout Southeast Asia, critical race theory is something being debated. Is is that getting incorporated into this uh, talk about Hey Pua Pua? Yeah, definitely. Another thing that's happening here is that we're only really just now having a history curriculum where students in high schools will learn about things like the New Zealand wars, which up until recently history in secondary schools was was essentially the the history teacher could just teach whatever they were interested in and there there wasn't a a national curriculum of history that it would be important for people living in New Zealand to know. And that's changing so students will learn about not just about um, the treaty, which, which is usually taught in schools, has been for, for a while, but also about the the land wars that happened in the in the eighteen sixties. So the young generation going through high school now are probably going to come out of high school with a lot more awareness of New Zealand's colonial past than you know, my generation and older. And so that is framed by some of the people on the right as our local version of critical race theory that. High school students will now, if they take history, which still won't be a, a majority of them, will learn more about the colonial past and about some of the more negative aspects of, of New Zealand history there. It's been now uh, about two and a half years since the March 15 massacre. How's the far right 
adapted since then. I understand that there was a bit of a retraction immediately afterwards, but I imagine it's bounced back somewhat. Yeah, I would I would say it's it's bounced back a bit. Prior to the shooting, we had a bit of a, a growing alt right in sort of 2016, 2017 that manifested itself in a couple of small groups that were were kind of false starts. There was uh, one called Western Guard um, that put up some White Lives Matter posters. A group tried to start a European Students Association at a couple of universities in Auckland, and these these groups kind of fizzled out. There was a little bit of an attempt to infiltrate the New Zealand First Party, who are a culturally very conservative and historically very xenophobic party, uh, but economically kind of kind of and social democrats. That that sort of didn't really amount to anything, and that and that party is now out of parliament. And then there was the formation of a far-right group called the Dominion Movement, and that group announced within an hour of the shooting in Christchurch that they were going on an indefinite hiatus, and then they've, they've just kind of disappeared. A couple of months later, though, we did see the formation of a new new white supremacist group calling themselves Actions Irlandia. Um, we, we know now that there's a number of people in there who were part of the Dominion Movement. It seems to be that a few people were spooked by the by the Christchurch shooting, perhaps were worried about uh, further attention from police or intelligence organisations after that, um, or perhaps for some of these young men just realising the seriousness of the of the kind of hateful politics that they were getting into and what the what the outcomes of that can be. But Actions Irlandia are the people who really didn't want to stop being a white supremacist group after the Christchurch shooting. And we had uh, one member of theirs arrested in relation to a, th- uh, a threat to the Al Noor Masjid, where one of the mosques where the shooting occurred, um, in the lead up to the the first anniversary of the shooting. And we've also had a soldier who, not not certain if he was linked to Actions Irlandia at this point, but was certainly linked to the Dominion movement, had been a leading member of there, who's uh, facing court martial for a number of charges, including espionage. So there's been a, a presence of, of uh, white supremacists in, in the New Zealand Defence Force as well, or at least at least one, but I would I would suspect more. There's there's one other leading member of Action Zealandia who's been exposed who was also a, a soldier. Well, Byron, I think we'll have to leave it there. Uh, where can people find your stuff on the web? Yeah, as you mentioned, I've got a YouTube channel. If you just search for my name, uh, Byron Clark, that, that, that should come up. Or I'm uh, Byron C. Clark on Twitter, I'm quite active on there, and you can you can you can sort of get to to most of my things from from there. Or um, I do have a website, uh, Byron.geek.nz, which uh, includes some links to other interviews I've done and articles I've written and so forth. So you can you can kind of find everything there. And you're also on Patreon, I believe. Yes, yeah. Uh, if you want to support some of the work I'm doing, um, you can sponsor me on Patreon. Uh, the biggest barrier to uh, creating videos and things at the moment is time. So I'm hoping. Uh, Hoping one day I might be able to fund some of it through Patreon and just work part time instead of full time to get get more of this research done and more more videos and other media out there. Well, Byron, thanks so much for joining us. No problem. Thanks again, folks. Global Intifada is up next. I'll catch you next week.
Female identifying artists aged 18 to 35 are invited to enter the Ellen Jose Art Award, a $15,000 non-acquisitive award. Ellen Jose was a pioneer in Australia's urban Indigenous art movement and a radical activist and social justice campaigner. The award is given in the hope that it will support the winning artist's continued development by providing recognition as well as a financial boost. All six finalists will receive an artist fee and have the opportunity for their work to be professionally presented in an exhibition with an accompanying publication. The award is a partnership between the Ellen Jose Memorial Foundation and Bayside City Council. Entries are now open and close on Friday the 27th of August. Head to bayside.vic.gov.au and search for the Ellen Jose Art Award for all the details. A 3CR supporter. Love comes your way What can I say You feel the hell You change your way Yeah What Absolutely Nothing Nuclear armed states are talking big and spending up with no intention to disarm. The Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons provides a pathway out of this mess, and it's up to us to get our government on board. Tune in to ICANN's Banned School to learn more and be part of history in the making. It's five online sessions from June to September. Check it out and enroll at icanw.org.au forward slash band school. That's icanw.org.au forward slash band school. The international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons is a 3CR supporter. Oh, 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 good.